Hi, I'm Karen Shade Lanier with Cherokee Cultural Tourism, back with an all-new Cherokee Artist Showcase. And today we are very glad to welcome Eddie Morrison, Cherokee National Treasure for Sculpture. And Eddie, you have some very, very signature pieces that uh, are gracing the halls of many of our buildings and private collections as well. Welcome today. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for this. <laughs> so I know you've done so many uh, interviews. There is a book that has been written about you. Uh, there's much that has been uh, <clears throat> put out about you know your beginnings as an artist. Kind of tell us a little bit about your own uh, upbringing, about uh, your first exposure to creativity and artistic people, if you would. Well, I, I think it's, I've said this many times before, but uh, I grew up around family members always doing something with their hands. I know my grandmother would crochet and quilt and design different uh, designs in the quilts and had uncles and brothers and stuff that would carve things and make things out of wood. And I think it was just uh, an influence on my best friend's uh, dad always carved wooden bows, and we'd watch him make arrows and bows a lot. So, um, uh, and plus, I just think it's in our DNA. You know, some people have different things. I can't sing or dance, but I can carve something. Yeah, you work in wood. You also work in uh, stone, river stone with um, granite. Uh, do you have a particular medium, uh, media that you prefer to work in most of the time, or is it different with each project? Well, it depends on the project, but uh, I love working with wood, especially red cedar wood. It has such natural lines and colors in it and everything. But I have also been doing a lot of limestone pieces, and I've worked with marble, of course, and different, all types of stone. But most of my uh, projects that I've done over the years have been in, out of these old limestone fence posts that come out of Kansas. And I found them to be a lot like wood, and wood has such natural lines as you can just kind of go with the flow, but these posts all had um, natural lines too. So it's kind of like looking at a, a cloud or something. You can see an image in it, I think, before you even start. Now, more complicated pieces, like uh, a major piece, that I, you have to design it and draw it out and sketch it out and get it straight in your mind what you want to do because... Uh, it's just complicated, but the pieces I I mainly do are are not simple, but they're simplistic. That's what I call it, and uh, I enjoy working with those very much. And I've created a many a many a limestone pieces, and I don't even know how many wood pieces I've created over the, my lifetime. So you uh, you know you talk about seeing the lines in uh, these natural materials that you use. Um, <clears throat> is that something that's noticeable to all of us or just people who have a more artistic kind of um, perspective, do you think? I think it's uh, more, I, I haven't, I know a lot of times you can say, do you see that in there? And somebody says, not really, but then you show them. It's kind of like this stone back behind me here. You know, I can see images in those little, lines in it, different things that uh, are in it. And I would just go with those natural things in the stone. Do you see some images in some of those stones? You know, I think I do. 
You know, okay. I mean, it's very common for people to see images, for instance, like in clouds. Um, you know, you exactly. can see them exactly. in like, trees with the sun or, you know, a light behind them. So, yeah. uh, um, and to me, that's always come across as almost like a form of storytelling in a way. Maybe the beginning of storytelling. So. I know I, a lot of people say, well, it's, it's, it's telling its own story. But uh, I know when I was learning to carve, I had the, this pretty well-known fact that I, Alan Hauser, I worked with him some. as a, He was a mentor that I took a marble carving class under. And the one thing that he said that always stuck with me was, you know, you let the wood or stone speak for itself. And that's, I found that to be very true. I just let it speak for itself. If I can draw it out, and I leave a lot of natural things in the wood and stone that, uh, you know, it's just kind of speaking for itself. I know a lot of the limestone posts that I do have uh, artifacts in them. They'll have uh, old nails or they'll have fossils. Fossils really intrigue me. And I incorporate them into the piece, and it, it makes, uh, you know, when you're talking about them to people, I like to tell them that has a life of its own. You know, uh, that limestone was created eons and eons ago by the inland seas <clears throat> and deposited all those shells and everything. And then as it, you know, this, the oceans went down, there it is with all those fossils and different things in it, so... It does kind of, you know, it's, it went from being a, just a old fossilized stone in the ground to a fence post, and then I come along and make something else out of it. So it does have a lot. You're getting of some really, you're getting some real deep histories out of those, out of those pieces yeah. that you're working with. That's that's pretty amazing. Exactly. So, and you, and you brought up uh, Alan Hauser. Uh, of course, he's uh, uh, the late Chiricahua Apache sculptor. I'm so glad that you mentioned him because uh, you know he was really well known for uh, you know combining like traditional forms from <clears throat> from his heritage and composing them with very clean modern contemporary lines. And uh, I think I see some of that also in your work. Um, what are some of the other ways that he's influenced you, do you suppose? Well, I, I, having met him, uh, when I took that class uh, through the Art Student League of Denver way back there, uh, I was the only native in the class, and he pretty well recognized that and came over, and it's kind of like he took me under his wing personally, and He'd, he'd tell me, he said, come over and watch me to work. That's, a, that's the best way to learn, watching somebody work. And I did that many a time, and he'd have a cooler sitting there. He'd say, get you a beer out of my ice chest. <laughs> so anyway, he, he carried himself so well as a man. And then I listened to him speak. He, they had a question and answer session with him, and I thought, you know, you have to be able to talk about your art. And uh, I think that... Uh, I got a lot about the way he carried himself, the way he talked about his art and what it meant to him. And, and uh, just, uh, and if you don't feel something when you create something, there's something wrong with you, I think. So about Mr. Hauser and, uh, you know, just, you know, how he carried himself as a person, uh, do, was there a spiritual element to that as well that uh, you were able to pick up on and carry with you? Well, I think anyone that carries himself well has to have a spiritual embodiment in them. It's, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's all types of people. 
Native peoples have an inner, I want to call it an inner sense about things. And it's, uh, and if most of them are spiritual in some kind of way, I think, you know, if you, if you work with uh, clay, you leave something in the ground or you bless that clay, or if you work with wood or you go out and get a stone, you, you thank it for giving itself to you. And, uh, I think that most Native Americans, not just Alan Hauser or me, I think that most of them do uh, recognize that, you know, it's a gift, a gift from the Creator that what we do. And, of course, you didn't start out in sculpting. I think you tried your hand at a couple of uh, two-dimensional art forms, sketching, painting. Tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. those beginnings. Well, I when I first started, I started trying to draw things and um, I did some drawings and different pieces of art, different things. And the Philbrook Art Museum was doing uh, art shows then for Native Americans. And I was fortunate enough to get some of my piece, a couple of my pieces accepted to that show way back there. <clears throat> and that inspired me. But I did drawings and I paintings and different things for a few years. But it, it just didn't seem, I mean, I struggled with it. It didn't seem natural and I didn't feel relaxed doing it. And once I started carving, and I started with wood, I, I uh, it just came so natural. It just flowed out of my head and through my arms and my hands into the piece. And I think it's just a natural thing. And I never felt that with when I was doing painting or drawing. And I took a lot of other classes when I was in art school at Santa Fe at the Institute of American Indian Arts. <clears throat> Ceramics, uh, drawing, painting, and everything. I think the only class I never took was jewelry making. But And I, the naturalness was in the sculpture 3D is where I felt the best. At this stage, have you been curious about trying any other kind of art forms, perhaps that you haven't gotten into? You mentioned clay a minute ago. Well, if I did anything with clay, I would uh, probably... Um, because I, I made clay things when I was in school, but I would make a lot. I would like, I think the older I get, I don't know how much longer I keep doing those big old stones and rocks because that's pretty hard on your joints and lifting and carrying those big old heavy things. And I think that doing bronze work and making little bronze pieces is so much easier. I can make a little clay model, take it to the foundry and have it made into a bronze and and have a, reproductions of the what they call a, a limited editions of them, like 50 or so and still and only one original so that's something that i may try later on in life and uh, you mentioned about just how very uh tactile and physical it can be to work with some of those uh stone stones uh for your work um what kind of tools do you do? I understand that you still do some, uh, you know, chisels and hammers, but you also use other types of uh, tools as well that uh, can help you achieve what it is that you're looking for. Well, you have to have a series of tools, and uh, I've collected tools over my career. A lot of power tools, die grinders, angle grinders, little Dremel tools, but hand chisels and rasp, you have to use every one of them if you're going to do a piece of art. 
And uh, same thing with wood carving. You can do a few things, you, you know, take it down, but you still have to use those little knives and carving tools and things like that. I, I think that a lot of times when I'm working with stone or wood, I, I think about uh, our the great sculptors over in, you know, from times past or our ancient ancestors. I, thought, I think to myself, good night, how did they do that? Because it's so hard. You know, I can take a, a diamond blade and put it on an angle grinder and cut something out, you know, in an hour or so. And it'll be ready to start working down. I can rough it out real fast. But you look at some of those great works of art in Italy made out of marble and the detail. And you think, my oh, goodness, how they do that. It's, it's uh, something that is just, oh, you know, I've had people say, oh, you're a great artist. Well, if you want to see greatness, go stand in front of one of those big sculptures <laughs> over in Italy and you'll see a great piece of work by a great person. Well, of course, also it takes uh, more than just the physical tools to be able to do what you do. Um, how would you describe how you are able to add life into the faces of your pieces? I've seen some of your work very up close, and you just can't help but wonder uh, what it is that they they want to say. Uh, they sound they seem as if they want to say something to me. Well, I try. I've, tr I've always tried it. I learned this kind of from <clears throat> Alan Hauser, too. You know, you want to depict Native peoples in a proud, dignified way and depict them as a strong people. And that's something I've always strived for. A lot of times somebody will say, <clears throat> why do you make them look so sour? You know, and it's not that I intentionally do it. Sometimes it just comes out that way. And sometimes it depends on my mood when I'm making a face. If I'm in a bad mood, it might have a frown on it. But <laughs> uh, I think that it's just uh, a lot of people can see emotion in some of the pieces I do, the larger pieces. But I do strive to make them look proud and dignified more than anything. And uh, hopefully I've achieved that over the years. I've always told the story of uh, <clears throat> of one of my larger sculptures when I was out in Santa Fe doing an art show, and this woman was totally blind, and she came up to the uh, my booth, and this her guy, the guy that was with her, was leading her, and he took her hands and put it on the face of one of my sculptures, and I I watched her just run her hands over it and feel it and everything, and it still gives me chills today. The thing that she turned around and said, "That's beautiful." That's very deep. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by deep, but it was quite a quite an honor. That was the best compliment I think I ever had on one of my pieces. I I think that um, it was, uh, you know, I mean, everybody can, you know, compliment your art and just say how wonderful it is to have somebody experience mm -hmm. it in a completely different way. It must be very meaningful for you. Yeah. And I, I it, it uh, you know, it's happened to me many times that I've had people come back and say, uh, and I don't know what, what it is, but said, I looked at your work yesterday and I it couldn't get it off my mind all my night, so I came back today. <laughs> and then they ended up buying the piece. I thought, well, that's a, you know, the piece is really talking to that person, I think. And some people just uh, are on a different plane, I think we are, too, and connect with things differently. Mm. 
I know I know so, when I do something that's real uh, complicated and I'll sit down and start working on it and just let my mind go and the flow come out. Uh, I've, I've said this many times. I said I can sit back after I finish it and I'll say, did I do that? You know, it's almost like it surprises me that I did it. But um, it's a gift. It's truly a gift from our creator. And what were your goals? I, I perhaps, perhaps I could say, what were your goals whenever you first began as an artist? And how do you, or do you think that those goals have shifted these latter years? Well, when I first started, I, there was a lot of traveling, going from show to show and running up and down the road. And some days where you would sell real well and some days you wouldn't make a dollar. But and I've I, not just me. I never had to borrow money to get home. But I know some artists <laughs> had to borrow gas money to get home because they spent all their money on the booth fee and going to the show and the hotels and stuff. But it was the struggling days of what you call paying your dues. But I think it's a. I know when I first started, the Cherokee Nation wasn't that much into art. I didn't think. I mean, there was very few artists and not. I actually think I may have been one of the first stone sculptors there were that came back here and doing it and and have I have been successful at it. I can't say that I haven't I have a work in uh, so many places uh, across this country and and several different countries in the in the world but there's still more to be done. There's this, you know, I've heard and read about other artists. There's that one piece you want to make. That's going to be the best piece you ever did in your life. And that's going to be be the one that puts you over the top. <laughs> well, I'm still looking for that piece, and I hope I find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's right around the corner for you, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are, <laughs> we're so happy and thrilled that you could be with us today. And you have a show at Celine Courthouse Museum. Now it runs currently through May the 1st. And uh, you, you will have a couple of pieces for sale, as well as just some from your private collection, I understand. Yes, I'll have um, a few wood pieces and a few stone pieces and then Several pieces from my private collection that are just that we keep for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And some of those are from earlier in your career. Why did you choose to keep some of those pieces, if you don't mind? Well, some of them have a different, uh, uh, I don't know how, what you call it, uh, value family-wise to me. I, uh, you know, like when we were, building our driveway the they were hauling in all this river rock and stuff from the creek and they dumped a load out there and i saw this piece and there it was shaped so naturally and there it was just right there and all i had to do was put a face on it and shape it and polish it up and that piece is very special and that's one i would not sell and then i have a few wood pieces that have have uh, different meanings so family wise i think that uh, it's good to Keep a few for yourself and for your family to have. Well, I look forward to seeing those on display 
and I'm sure other people do as well. So uh, we're very happy to have you with us. And for anybody that would like to know more about the museum, about uh, Eddie's show, you can find that online at www.visitcherokeenation.com. Eddie, thanks for being with yeah, us today. Tell your, tell your friends, relatives, and everybody. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. To watch the video version of our podcast and other great series like Cherokee Word of the Week, go to youtube.com slash visit Cherokee Nation. Also, be sure to follow Visit Cherokee Nation on Facebook and Instagram for Cherokee cultural and historical content.